If you didn't make it to Word, the annual Blue Hill Literary Arts Festival this year, you're in luck. WERU is a media partner, and today on Main Currents, we'll be featuring the second in what I think will be a three-part series featuring some of the speakers. Today, we have New York Times critic at large A.O. Scott in conversation with Alicia Anstead. It's recorded on October 21st in Blue Hill by Matt Murphy, and it has been edited to fit this time slot. Our guest is A.O. Scott, who was the movie critic for the New York Times for 23 years. But before he ever did that, when I first knew him, he was a literary critic. And he was the book critic for Newsday. And he also wrote for me. I edited him uh, in a book that someone right here just reminded me of, The Salon.com Reader's Guide to Contemporary Authors. That was so long ago. Um, but Tony wrote some amazing entries for that, and in my mind, he has always been a literary critic, so the fact that he has returned to writing about books for the New York Times is just the way it ought to be. But I know a lot of you, you know, know him as a movie critic, so um, he will probably talk about that, but also talk about writing about books, his new gig. And he is also a new resident of the area. He and his wife, Justine. <laughs> just bought a house after a long and definitely frustrating search. Um, he's also the author of Better Living Through Criticism, uh, a book about uh, how, hmm, how thinking critically about art can change your life and change your appreciation of art. Um, definitely a book you want to read if you ad admire his work. Um, but obviously, I, I probably don't need to introduce him to any of you because you've been reading his movie criticism for years. He will be interviewed tonight by Alicia Anstead, who is a, you also probably know her as the arts critic for the Bangor Daily News. I'm sure you all read her when she did that. She, uh, she's a freelance journalist now, and she teaches journalism at the Harvard Extension. And we are thrilled to have her join us tonight to talk to Tony. Thank you, Laura, and thank you everyone for being here. I'm Alicia Anstead. I wish I were still the arts critic at the Bangor Daily News because that would mean they had an arts critic at the Bangor Daily News. Um, it's been a minute, um, but I'm so happy to be here with all of you tonight and with A.O. Scott, whom I'm going to call Tony, even though I've only known him for about three seconds. Um, but I, I understand that that's the way to go, right? Yeah. Um, I also just want to take a second to thank Matt for the, um, making sure that everyone can hear us and giving me direction right there to use my mic better. Um, it, it, things like this don't happen without people like Matt, so real appreciation for your work. Tony, I just got to start like, with the question, yeah. why'd you do it? Why did I do what? <laughs> what did I do? Why'd you leave your film critic uh, job well, yeah, um, you know, it was the greatest job, and uh, it, it, I, I had, I had a, a wonderful time doing it. It was not a job that I ever expected to have. It was something that kind of came by surprise, um, and when it did, I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try this for a while and see how it goes, and I remember saying to the editor who hired me, the culture editor at the, at, at the Times, when he hired me that, you know, 
um, I, I think I could probably do this for, for, for 10 years, which at the time, I was in my early 30s, seemed like a very long time. And then, um, you know, 23 years later, um, I kind of realized that I still, I still loved movies, I still loved going to movies, I was still um, interested in, in what they had to say and show about, about the world and about life, but the, the, the treadmill of the weekly deadline um, was, had, had kind of worn me out, and I wasn't necessarily as interested as I had been in what I had to say about movies. And I think it's important <laughs> if, if, if you're a critic, the, 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 where you always start is with your engagement with the thing you're writing about. And it has to be um, in, you know, intense and, and committed and, and passionate and, and rigorous. And I think if you feel that starting to slip or if you think that it might start to slip, um, then you should stop. And I, I'd always told myself, I'd observed many other critics, older critics in, in my time um, as a critic, I won't name any names, but I always thought, I would, I would read them and I'd think, you know, they're tired of it. They're, they're, they're tired of movies, they're tired of their own voice. They think that um, all of the great work has been done, that the movies will always have been better in the past than they are now. And I always said to myself, if, I, if I'm ever in danger of getting there, of being that kind of critic, who is always sort of looking mostly backwards and always um, more skeptical than curious about new work that's coming out, that's the time um, to stop. And so I just started to feel little sort of premonitions of that. Um, and I also thought, as Laura was saying, I'd been a, a literary critic before, and I, I had felt in some ways like the 23 years of being a, a film critic was this kind of um, detour, you know, that I'd been doing this other thing for a while, kind of moonlighting, but what I really was, what I really should be doing, um, you know, who was I kidding, was, was, uh, was write about books. So it was, it was, it was, I was very fortunate that um, the paper was, I guess, we, we, that's, that's how old I am that I call it the paper. Um, but, <laughs> but I always built the, 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 the digital media company that I worked for was, was um, <laughs> um, or, or the, the, I guess the, the, the Wordle franchise with a, with a news operation <laughs> attached to it was, was able to accommodate me, so. Did you feel that your work all those years as a film critic um, prepared you in any way to go back to writing about literary topics? I, I think so. I mean, I never stopped writing about literary topics and, and, and had always sort of um, felt engaged in, you know, in, in, in books and literature, both new and old, but also was very aware of the connections between the two art forms, you know, and, and when, because when I first started as a film critic, I had not written any film criticism. Um, I mean, I'd written a couple of pieces, but I was, I was very, um, in a way, you know, unprepared for it or untrained in it. And the thing that helped me through the anxious first few years of the job, where I felt like I, you know, was, was a complete fraud and didn't know what I was doing, um, the thing that I thought, well, I know, how to, I know how to write about narrative. I understand, you know, aspects of storytelling um, and, and, and the construction of, of of stories and, and what stories mean and how stories 
achieve their meaning. I thought, well, if I could do that with, with novels or with you know, non-fiction books, I could um, begin, that, that could be the place where I could start to, to, to build up some expertise and understanding and some vocabulary for writing about films. And so the thing that I've learned kind of coming around the, 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 the other end of it is the, um, the wonderful thing about writing about movies is that movies are, are, are so, so diverse and so various. And when I was a book critic, it was, and I think it often is, a kind of a, a narrow undertaking. You know, you review literary fiction, and, and, if you're, and if you're a book critic, you get a little bit typecast, you know, so certain kinds of books will be assigned to you, and there's so many hundreds of thousands of, of, of books, and you, you can't possibly engage, like no one will ask you to write, would, would ask me to write, um, uh, you know, reviews of biographies of political figures or books about science or Wait, things that I Wait, you just wrote a I know, well, <laughs> I did, which was very strange. It was very strange to see my byline on top of a picture of Rupert Murdoch and Donald Trump, um, <laughs> something I never thought would, would happen. But, but that's sort of what I'm saying is that when you're a, a film critic, there, no, there's really, th those, those kind of lanes don't really apply. So. You review, I mean, I reviewed tons of Marvel movies. I reviewed documentaries. I reviewed foreign language films. I wrote about old films. I wrote about, you know, movies from parts of the world that I knew nothing about. But it's like, well, here's a movie. You know, figure out what you're going to say about it and, and, and tell our readers um, something about it. And so I think it, writing about film broadened my perspective in that way and, 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 forced me to learn a way of writing criticism um, that reflected that kind of openness and, and broadness that I, I hope I can, you know, in coming back to literature, I can do it in a way that's, that's, that's less parochial, um, that, that doesn't, uh, that I don't have to sort of specialize um, quite as much. Um, you, you're raising so many more questions than I'm even gonna refer to my sheet here on. Uh, I wanna ask you two based on what you just said. One was, what was that transition like for you after you made the decision? You talked about your anxiety beginning the job. Yeah. Was there anxiety leaving the job? Well, absolutely. Um, in a way, because the job had become, uh, you know, to an extent that I'm not sure I even realized, just sort of a part of my identity and part of who, who I was. And I was um, part of a whole world, a professional world of, of, of film critics and, and you know, um, sort of peripherally related to, to a world of, of movies and, and movie makers and, 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 and the movie industry. And, and I was sort of gonna disappear from that. But I was also, I, I felt like I had built over those years um, a relationship with readers. Um, and that was based on shared interest in movies, um, and I was sort of worried about that, um, that and, and I sort of wanted to reassure people that I'm not just, you know, I'll still be, I'll still be writing, we can still, you know, we can still see each other, we can still, we, we still have things to talk about, they're just not going to be the same um, thing. So, so I, I, um, I did feel a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of, of, of separation. Grief is too strong a word, but it was as if, I think the thing that, that was, was the hardest was 
the sense of, of that relationship, of that relationship with people, you know, who I imagined I had been kind of going to the movies with and talking about movies with for all of these years, you know, that that was, that was coming, coming to an end. Um, and uh, um, so that was, you know, that, that was bittersweet for sure. Yeah, it's kind of relationship shifting and also I think not all careers, not all of them, many do, but not all careers come with the heavy identity that journalism comes with, mm -hmm. you know, and I think when you shift out of that identity, it can be a kind of crisis of identity, yeah. right? right. Um, and uh, I guess I want to go back to just talking about, you know, what does a critic do and how does a critic do what he does? And you talked about films that are from places you don't really know and cultural experiences that are not yours and any number of things that aren't in your quiver. Mm -hmm. How did you prepare to know those films and to write about those films? That, that's such a good question because I think it is really one of the great challenges and one of the things that defines kind of criticism as a as an intellectual discipline, as a mode of imagination, and in a way as, as an art form. Because you have to be, you have to be, at least I always felt like I had to be um, transparent and honest about my own perspective. There is an idea of criticism that takes it as a sort of disembodied authority, you know, that, that, that um, who I am, uh, you know, doesn't matter, who I am as a person in the world shouldn't matter, what matters is a kind of um, internal and external set of standards of artistic excellence that the critic is there to apply um, as a sort of disinterested, in a way disembodied judge. Um, but of course you're always embodied, that is, your, your, it's your body, it's, you know, it's your butt that's in the seat, um, and it's your eyes that are looking at the screen. And, so you have to think, well, what can I say about this that will be credible, that will be interesting, um, and that in a way will be modest or, 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 or humble about, you know, about just what you're talking about, that this is something, you know, and, and it's, it's a great pleasure and um, it can be exhilarating and also challenging and confusing to see movies that, that um, you know, that come from perspectives that, that not are only you know aren't yours, but but that you're not even sure what what they what they are. I would say the experience of this that just crystallizes in my mind of the kind of the wonderfulness and absurdity of um, being a movie critic was when um, I think it was the second Twilight movie, and at the time I had a I had a side gig doing a TV show in Chicago that had been the Siskel and Ebert show, um, and that was basically. Um, Roger Ebert was, was, was too sick to keep doing it um, and, and uh, Gene Siskel had, had died sometime um, before, but Disney who had it had, had another year left on the syndication contract. Um, so they, they hired me and, and Michael Phillips who was the Chicago Tribune film critic basically to kind of to, to run it into the ground, um, which, which we did. Um, <laughs> it's a lot harder than you think to just like sit there and talk with someone else about, about movies. But, so he and I went to the screening of, um, to, of, of the Twilight movie, um, and it was a sneak preview, and it was him and me, like two middle-aged guys, and like every 12-year-old girl 
in Cook County and her mother, you know? And so to say that like this movie was not for us, it was just, <laughs> is to understate the, the obvious. And so, so we're sitting there like taking notes, doing what, what movie critics do, and it, it, it could not have been in a way more irrelevant. But there, and there was this one moment that I'll never forget where in, in that movie, you probably remember, um, there, there, there's a scene where, I don't know, um, Kristen Stewart, I think she's riding the motorcycle with Jacob, um, Tyler Lautner, who's, you know, the werewolf kid, and um, she falls into, like, she cuts her head, and he, the sort of, it, it, the, the, it cuts to a two-shot, and he, like, takes off his T-shirt to, you know, to, to dab the blood from her head. And the noise in that theater when that happened <laughs> was just, and I thought, okay, like, whatever, whatever idea that you might have, Mr. Critic, about cinema, it has to include that. It has to include that. That's important. And it's, it's, it's the, you know, the, 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 the filmmakers make the movie and the, and the, and the, the, the studios release it and, and, and the critics, you know, ponder it and try to judge it, but the audience completes it. The audience is what finishes, in a way, the, the, the work. And you, you have to be aware of that, and you have to think about that, and you have to think about who else is watching this movie. And in a way, you have to try the kind of empathic work of imagining yourself as them. So it's like, well, and, and in a way, <laughs> I think I, I, I may have said this when we did our, our broadcast, my God, it's like, this movie, the effective thing about this movie is it, it's, it's not only, you know, for 12-year-old girls, but if you're watching it, it turns you into a 12-year-old girl. Um, and, that's, and that's who you have to be, and that's who you are, and that's who you become. And that's one of the kind of magical, liberating, and transformative things about movies, is that you can be sitting there as like a middle-aged man, you know, in, in a movie seat, but in, in your heart, in your soul, a piece of you is, is that 12-year-old that girl. So I just want to pause. <laughs> You're listening to Main Currents on WERU-FM. This is A.O. Scott in conversation with Alicia Anstead, recorded in October at the annual Word Literary Arts Festival in Blue Hill. So I just want to pause <laughs> and note how art changes the world and lives inside of you when you leave art behind and you carry it with you forever and tell great stories about art. So I just want to note that for all of you because that's what just happened here. <laughs> I could ask you where does art live in you, but now I don't have to. Well, yes. And, but also it, it, it takes you by surprise. Like if, if, if you go with a preconceived category, you know, as sort of an idea, in your head about what art and what is and isn't. Mm -hmm. And with the idea that like, uh, well, a Twilight movie will always be isn't, you know, because come on, right? But then, then you might, you're gonna, you might miss something and you might miss something of great, of great value. I mean, I'm still talking about this, but this was a long time ago. <laughs> this was, I don't even know how many years ago. I think all, all the 12 year old girls who were in that audience have probably forgotten about that movie, but it's still with me, so. See what art does. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about 
what your life was like as a movie critic. You know, going out, what was it like when you first started probably going into movie theaters and then gradually moving farther and farther away from movie theaters? Yeah, I mean, I always, until, until the pandemic, I always did stay in movie theaters. So we did have, um, and it, it's, it's part of these sort of kind of traditions and customs and inertia of the New York Times that, um, that the 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 tradition and the and the expectation and the norm was that critics always saw the movies in in screening rooms um, saw them projected and we actually had a no streaming rule um, that uh, and I was one of the enforcers of that rule as 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 chief critic I mean Manola Dargis and I were the chief critics and we and and one of the things that we did was kind of run. The freelance coverage, and we were we were you know very clear with the freelance critics that they had to go to screenings, um, or um, if that just wasn't possible, if the if the, the 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 you know the company couldn't afford a screening room, or if there just would no way to schedule it, um, they could they could watch DVDs. But we didn't we didn't start streaming until um, un, un, until COVID, when when you know. Um, movie distribution just kind of um, collapsed for a while and is starting slowly to, to come back. But it did, the, the, so my experience in a way of, of going to the movies was, stayed more or less constant. Um, but everyone else has changed. Um, and in a way it took, it took a while to, to catch up with that and to understand that. Um, and, I think, and I don't think I'm, I'm alone in this, I think a lot of film critics were slow to understand what the effects of streaming were and what they would be, um, and, and, and were in a way lagging behind um, where the audience was in terms of that um, transition. So, but, but a lot did change. I mean, I, I, I kind of, it's, it's, I'm only in a way just now kind of sorting it out and, and looking back and thinking about, you know, where it was. When I started um, in 2000, you know, there was no, there was no Marvel, ex Marvel Cinematic Universe. There was no, um, there was no social media. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things outside of the, the movies themselves that have changed um, the movies a lot. But it was probably more like it had been 20 years earlier than now 20 years later um, is, you know, compared to that. Let's dive into what it means to write criticism. In your book, you quote Oscar Wilde, who's written, you know, about this topic a lot, or did, and you quote the, one of his famous quotes, which is, um, the highest criticism is that which reveals in the work of art what the artist had not put there. Right, Oscar Wilde, and I want to ask you about that. How do you learn to know what the artist did not put there that we experience? And I'm going to ask you to go back earlier on that yeah, too, but yeah. maybe just start with that. Yeah, it's well, that's I, I love I love that that quote, and a lot in in the book is from this um, remarkable essay, sort of one of these fake Socratic dialogues that that Wilde wrote called the the critic as artist. Um, and it's full of these sort of paradoxical, provocative statements like that. Um, and in a way, the the I think it is the work of the critic to see um, to see the work, to to see the art in a way. And 
um, D.H. Lawrence has another um, famous quote that's sort of similar to that, where he says, don't trust the teller, trust the tale. Um, that that um, whatever this person or these people who made this thought they were doing, um, if it's interesting, if it's something that we're still looking at and still thinking about, they were probably doing something else. <laughs> they were, or they were doing something extra, something in addition. So, and I think artists will, I, 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 artists that I've talked to often agree with this, you know, that there's, there's something that is, that is beyond the intention or the plan or, or the sort of the, the um, what's, what's consciously in mind um, that they're doing. Um, and then there's also, as I was saying before in a way about Twilight, there's what the world does to it um, and, and makes of it. Um, and I think one of the best metaphors I've seen for this actually is, is the Barbie movie, which is in a way about how you know, this, this manufactured commodity, um, the doll, but also the movie, becomes a kind of a, a, a screen and um, a tool in the imagination of everybody who is playing with it, who's experiencing it, and who's using it. So, and, and I think that, that what criticism is way, in a way is not just kind of arrogantly on the part of the critic imposing your own will or your own point of view or your own ideas, but, but by example suggesting that that's what everybody is doing. That's what, that's what you will do. You know, when, 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 when you see a movie or read a book, it will become, it will become yours. You will be putting things into it um, that the artist may or may not have put there. And repeatedly, over time, yes. bringing new things to it yes. and interpreting it differently. And right. that's why, and that's, and things, things when, you know, books or movies that we call classic, that, that stay around, you know, for, from generation to generation, do so because they do that, because there are, there are not because they have a sort of a, a, a fixed and permanent um, status or importance, but because they're continually open to the work, the interpretation, the imaginative appropriation of new generations. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was just thinking, how do you prepare to be an art or arts critic or cultural critic in your life? You know, you can take a class called arts writing. You know, you can get a degree in literature from Harvard, as you did. You can go on to pursue studies, as you did. Um, and I always wonder about, what are the adjacent things that happen that make you a person of awareness and insight? And as someone who has the ability to say, I see that thing on the surface and I see these other things going on. What are your adjacent experiences from your childhood or your teen years <laughs> or beyond? I mean, I, I think part of it was, you know, I, I, I had a, a, a very um, kind of nomadic childhood. Uh, my, my family moved quite a bit when I was, when I was growing up. So there was, um, you know, not a lot other than than my parents and my sister and 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 me. There was not a lot that was kind of um, constantly there. Um, and so I had to I had to meet new people, go to new schools, experience kind of new new local cultures and 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 social situations. And so the 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 steady companions in a way that I had and the, and the stabilizing. Um, and, and sort of reassuring presences in my life were, 
were books and movies and, and records and, and kind of um, the work of various, um, I mean, I don't think I thought of them as artists, you know, or, or, or any of it as, as, as art, but just as, as stuff that was, there, that was there for me and that was kind of mine and that, and that I could um, just, you know, find sort of um, refuge in, in a way, or, or, or absorption, or, or com I mean, I think companionship. I mean, I, I, I do think and have often thought of um, you know the 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 writers who I read and 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 come back to and care about, and I think this is how often readers feel about writers as people that you know, as people who are even if you've never met them or couldn't ever meet them, as sort of familiar as people who you know and who, people who in a way know you. Um, there is that that funny kind of uncanny sense of recognition that you can get, and that was the same with with. With popular music, film is a little is a little different, but it was sort of a world that I could go into um, and could could find. And one of the things I think that that happens often um, with with young people who have who have that sort of sensibility or cast of mind or have that curiosity is you find other people who are interested in it, um, who share these interests and 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 who have ideas about it. And some of these other people are critics. I mean, that, that was sort of one of the discoveries that I made, I think, very young. I mean, I started reading criticism in, you know, in the newspapers or, or, or magazines that were, that were around the house. And, um, and that, very early on, sort of was something that, it wasn't that I thought, oh, I want to be a, a critic, but I thought, oh, the, here's a person, um, first of all, who's going to tell me about things that I haven't heard about. You know, so I, if, if I was living in a in a in a small college town in the South, um, and my parents subscribed to the New Yorker, I could read Pauline Kael, and she was writing about all these movies that I had never heard of that I might you know someday see. But so it's a way of 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 kind of expanding your purview, but also you find someone who has opinions about this, who cares about it a lot, um, and who is willing to engage you about. Because um, you, as, as as reader, you sort of find someone who you can talk about this stuff. So it's no longer just your own private, solitary um, experience with this this work. But suddenly, there's a sense of a of a of, of a community, a virtual community, a community that that might exist, you know, only in the pages of magazines and newspapers and and books, or you know, in the when when Siskel and Ebert were 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 on TV all the time on TV, I mean that that show was quite important to me too. Long before I ever had any idea of being a movie critic, for exactly that reason, because here were two people modeling what was to me one of the most exciting and often unavailable aspects of being a movie fan, which is having someone else to to argue with um, about what you'd seen. No, I love the way you put that. And I think to, to hear Tony talk about it, it's like such a fun job. It's so thinking. It's so engaging. Why do people hate critics? <laughs> because it's the job. It's our job to be hated. It, I mean, it is. You know, it's 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 partly because. Um, I, well, there, uh, there's there's there's. <laughs> you have to read the book to find out. Um, <laughs> There's a there's a there's a complicated kind of um, a lot of the book is sort of a meditation on that question and um, and and part of the research of the book was the discovery that this had always been the case and and um, there was part of me after the book was published I thought well this will solve it people will never hate critics again 
Um, oddly, I guess not enough people read it. But, um, but in a way, because it, 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 it's exactly the, 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 the um, judgment is something that's very, that we're not comfortable with. Um, and we all do it. Um, we all say we don't do it. We say, well, I'm not judging. But at any time anyone says that, you know that that's, you know, perfect, perfect contradiction. But, um, but I think that, that in a way, critics are um, giving voice to a part of the common experience that, that is uncomfortable. It's, it's, there, there, there's, there, it's, it's kind of, um, it's like a, it's, it's a grain of sand, you know, there, there's some, some grit in the gears. And part of it is that critics, as just sort of independent voices, um, often in highly commercialized, I mean, talking sort of concretely about what it's like and what, what the job is now in the real world rather than kind of philosophically or abstractly, you know, it's like the, um, the, 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 the movie studios certainly would, would prefer that everyone just like go to the movies and shut up. <laughs> um, or just like give it a like, you know. Um, and for, for movies, movie, critics get in the way of that, um, but also disturb the, the desire of um, of fans to, to, to have a, a, a similarly kind of seamless or smooth experience. So what, what's always amazing to me, or it's not amazing, but, but it's kind of um, startling and fascinating to me, is how mad people will get at critics for, for, for having a different opinion. You know, so people have come up to me as, as long as I've been doing this job, it's like, and, and you know, furious because I didn't like something that they liked. But, but that's fine. You know, I didn't tell them they couldn't. Um, but but there, 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 so there, there, there is a kind of an idea that, um, that, that the function of criticism is negative, um, that, that, that critics are, are, are doing it um, because we hate, you know, because we hate movies, um, which is a very strange thing. I mean, just, just think about spending, you know, seeing I don't know how many, 8,000 movies in, in 23 years. That's a, if I hated movies, that would just be, be a horrible job. It'd be the worst job you could imagine. Um, who, would, who would do that? Who would say, I, I, I hate movies. What am I gonna do? What, what kind of job should I, should I get? I know. I mean, none of us is that perverse. My dream job would have been, I did more performing arts. My dream job would have been to be the closer in the arts world, not the one advancing whether you should go or not, right. but after you've been, right. here's some things to think about yeah. when yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. It's not a commercial venture anymore, right. too. Right. That's more performing arts than yeah. film art or film reviewing, I think. I, I think that's true. I mean, it, it's, it's, there is, yeah, I mean, film reviewing is, is, is very front-loaded and there's the whole kind of spoiler question and, part of the job and, and, and it's, you know, it's an important and, and, and difficult part that, that should be taken seriously is, is a kind of consumer advice. It's like, well, tell me what, what I should go see. Um, and one of the things that, that, that often frustrates readers that I, that I kind of 
learned to, to, to hear um, was when, when I kind of got away from that, you know, so I would, I would, I would sort of go off into my own ideas and thoughts and, and interpretation and then kind of forget or, or, or downplay the sort of the part where you're supposed to say, you know, and because we didn't have, of course, at the New York Times, we didn't have stars, stars or um, numbers or, or letter grades or any of that or, or thumbs. Now there's a little check mark, there's a little critic's pick which can, which can help. But even that, that didn't, you know, um, that didn't exist when I, when I started. So it, it, you, you had to put it there in, 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 um, in, in plain English, but the hope also always is that someone will see the movie and then come back and that, and that the really, yeah, the interesting part of the job, the sort of the, the meat of it is the post, is, is in a way the conversation on the way out of the theater when it's over um, about what it was that you just saw. Um, so just it, technically it, it becomes this thing where you're trying to write in, in both directions at once. So you kind of write in code sometimes where it's like there's this scene I can't tell you what it is but you'll see when you know and we'll talk about it when you when it's over I'm just gonna ask a couple more questions and then we'll open the floor up to your questions as well so if you have a question this is a good time to get it formulated um, I found that when I started writing um, reviews was like the last time I slept well you know, like I was worried. It's a hell of a lot of pressure. You have to have a lot of conviction and sometimes you just don't have that conviction. How did you get your backbone on this? Well, if you, you know, conviction, if, one, if you can fake that, I don't know, whatever that Laurence Olivier quote about sincerity, you know, once if you can fake that, <laughs> you've got it made. But, um, but it is in a way the hardest, because sometimes you do have, con I mean, the, the 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 easy and the satisfying ones to write are, um, I mean, not always easy in the sort of the, the 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 craft sense. But when you walk out of a movie and you you're you know you're full of rage, um, that's an easy one to write. And if you're also walk out of the movie and you're just sort of like weeping in awe, that's one that you can write. That's there there will be conviction in either case. But most of what you're writing about, let's you know be honest because it, most most human effort is is somewhere in the in the mediocre part of the scale it's just it's 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 a sad fact so, you know just like and 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 that we're talking about a lot of movies i, I one of the things i think that separates um, film critics from from people who you know from regular moviegoers is that you honestly have no idea how bad movies can be and how many bad movies there are you just don't, because you go, you see movies that you want to see, <laughs> you pre-select, you you know, you know, you know your own taste, and you and you select according to that, or you have, you know, um, uh, entirely trustworthy critics who who never who never steer you wrong, and you and you and you follow them. But so that was the big shock to me when I when I started in the job, and 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 it it never in a way wore off. You just like sometimes. You know, I would see ten movies in a week and be like, "Oh my God, really? Um, this is what people are doing. This is what people are spending millions of dollars to 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 do. Why? Um, it's not even that they they were, you know, bad or offensive or it's just like, what? Why? Um, so, and that's a very hard that's a hard review to write because you can't, you know, you 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 in in that case you have like your six hundred words or whatever. 
um, when you have all the convictions, you know, the, the, the 600 words will not be enough. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll say, I need 1,000. Actually, I need 1,200. You know, I just need to keep going on this. And, and your readers will go along with you, you know, and, 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 and your editors will often, too. But the one where it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't care. Um, but but you, you do have to care. And it's not, I, I don't mean to suggest that, that you just, that you fake it. But that you figure out some, some, some place to meet it, some way to, um, to care about it, or to, to, if you can't respect the movie, at least to respect yourself and your reader enough to not, um, to not waste everybody's time. In a way, like, your time has already been wasted, so <laughs> you need to redeem that. Um, to prevent your readers from having that same waste of time, but also not to compound it by wasting their time. Um, so just, you have to give them something interesting to read, and you have to, and that in a way, like that's the job, that's, that's the craft, that's the discipline, that's what kind of, um, in a way, separate, that's what makes it a job, that's what makes you a professional, is that you might not feel like it, but you have to. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Main Currents on WERU. This is A.O. Scott in conversation with Alicia Anstead, recorded last month at the Word Literary Arts Festival in Blue Hill. Right, so problem solving is a part of the job. Yeah. And, the, and always a part of writing, right? Yes. I mean, you're always looking for that. I want to ask you to talk about three qualities, and we can go through this kind of quickly if you want, sure. and see if you relate to them and how you relate to them as a critic. Empathy, curiosity, and fierceness. Oh, those are good. I like those. Um, I mean, empathy is the, the, to come back to Roger Ebert. I mean, he his famous formulation about movies is that they're they're machines that produce empathy, and and he has a, a wonderful um, thing that I, I think he said it on an, on an interview show. Um, he may have written it also, just about how. There, you know, you, you go into the movie theater and you sit down and there are these people who are not real, who you don't know, and if the movie, even if the movie isn't that good, like, you care about what happens to these people. Um, you care about what happens next. And that's a quite remarkable thing. And that's, that's true of other arts as well, um, but I think movies have a, have a particular power just because of, partly just because of the human face, I think, and, and, and the way that movies magnify and consecrate the human image um, that, that they produce a kind of empathy. And I think that, that, that a critic has to be aware of that and also, you know, not be afraid of your own emotional responses to what you see. I think it's, 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 it's very important. In a way, that's the data that you have. The thing, the thing that you know about you, you don't really know anything about the movie, about, you know, what, what it was like on the set, how much it cost to make. You might have some information, but you don't, this, this thing arrives to you in the form of an experience, and that experience is the thing you know, and so that's, that's the material that you have to work with. Um, and curiosity is important because it's very easy to, um, to close yourself off or defend yourself from experiences that might not be comfortable or, or familiar to you, or that you can't immediately master. I mean, I think critics, people, um, like to feel sort of 
in the know and in control and and um, and and, and uh, um, kind of on top of every of, of every situation experience and you have to be able to let go you have to you have to be able to 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 surrender to the experience in order to have it um, fully. Um, and then comes the fierceness. And then comes the fierceness because in a way, you know, what that means is that you have made yourself vulnerable to this, to this thing and therefore you have to take it very seriously because you have to take your own, you, take, you need to take your own experiences and your own feelings <laughs> um, and your own empathy um, seriously. And if it's you know if it's abused or trifled with or 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 kind of sold out, which it often is, um, movies are very manipulative. They can be very cynical. They can be very dishonest. Um, it, it's almost built in that they that they will be. Um, so you're in a way not only permitted but obligated to say so. Um, and I think that's where the, the the fierceness comes from. Thank you. I love those answers. I really appreciate them. Um, I want to ask you one more question and then we'll move out into the audience. You hear all the time, oh, it's the, it's the end of cinema. It's the end of movies. We'll never go back to movie theaters. It's all Netflix. It's all Marvel. My question isn't about that. <laughs> My question is about Hollywood and what is going to happen to Hollywood. We're in such a mess with Hollywood right now and I would just be interested in your thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, any, anyone who knew um, the answer to that question would be either, either very, very rich or, um, uh, or just um, in a complete state of mental collapse. Can so, I amend it? What? Can I amend sure. it? Sure. What's your hope for Hollywood? My hope for Hollywood. I mean, in in a way, I. It is it is so complicated. I mean, it's, it's very interesting what's been happening, both with the the impact of of, of streaming and of just kind of um, tech business models coming into um, uh, Hollywood, which was which which has been a very, in spite of all the the technological advances that it's been built on, has been a very kind of old fashioned business, really a retail business. If you think about what going to the movies is, it's, it's like it's a retail transaction. You leave your house, you pay some money, you know, you, you get something for that money um, and, 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 and you go home. And the way that um, the money was calculated in, in Hollywood was how many people did that. I mean, obviously there's complications to that. But, but that had been until streaming came along. I mean, I wrote about this a little bit in a, in a recent piece in, in the Times Magazine. That was how it was like what, what you knew about how a movie did in the world had to do with, its, with box office and with individual movies that people went to see. Um, now, partly because of, of the, the, the franchise model that just sort of disperses, there's not really, a, when you're talking about like the, the Marvel Universe, you're not talking about single movies, you're talking about episodes and, and kind of different, different iterations and different products within a whole field, a whole, a whole series. And when you're talking about streaming, you're talking about subscriptions. So nobody knows um, uh, who's watching what on Netflix. And Netflix doesn't particularly care what you're watching on Netflix, as long as you're watching Netflix. Um, so, and I'm not going to get into the whole 
the, 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 the labor issue, the, the actor strike that's still going on, the writer strike that was recently um, concluded. But there's just a lot of upheaval and anxiety and uncertainty. And I think there's also now, the thing that worries me the most about now is that there is a kind of um, a real loss of quality control. And I think that th for the first time, I'm worried that boomies will actually get worse. Um, I mean, I, 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 that is that, I mean, they've always been, a lot of them, I was just saying, as I was just saying, a lot of them have always been bad. And that was true in any golden, that was true in the 70s, that was true in the 90s, that was true in the, in the studio era. You know, there were just lots of bad movies and Hollywood's job, in a way, was to make bad movies. And the job of the people who worked in Hollywood was to prevent that from happening, was to, was, was to actually figure out how to use the system to make something better than what the system was designed to make. And the system was always kind of porous enough and flexible enough so that that could happen. And there were people in it who could, who could make that happen. And one thing that I worry about, the sort of the, the tech model, which is just smooth and seamless and monopolistic and self-correcting and, you know, built around machine learning is that it will close off some of that possibility so that the resistance within the system that makes, you know, remarkable things possible, that makes a movie like The Godfather possible, or makes a movie like Barbie possible, um, will, be, will be ironed out of it, will be kind of rationalized out of it, and it will be harder to find, you'll have to look, as a viewer, you have to look a lot harder um, to find those movies that have some originality, some, some humanity, some, um, some surprise in them. Um, you'll have to look harder, and they'll be harder to find because they'll be deep in the algorithm somewhere. Um, and we won't even necessarily know how to find it anymore. So that's, that's my fear. You asked for my hope, that all of that, all of that is my fear. My hope, is that the resistance that makes um, you know, it possible for, in a way, the system to subvert itself will come and will come from the audience, that people will, will actually demand um, better than they're getting. Um, and, and I think this is why I'm hopeful, because I think it's, it's, it's always been true that there is curiosity and there is empathy and there is fierceness, to go back to your, your three terms, in, in the audience, in, in, you know, in people who, who care about movies and, and, um, and art and, and narrative and, and, and all of these things, and that, and that they, you, us, will, um, will be able to, to assert some kind of, uh, some kind of influence, to, to make a demand and, and make the demand heard so that, that some good stuff will keep coming our way. Thank you for that. I, I feel like I want to say, go vote for the movies, right? <laughs> go vote for them. Um, do we do microphones in the audience for accessibility, or I'm happy to run the mic? I will run the mic. Okay. Who would like to ask a question? Oh my gosh. Get ready, Tony. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Alicia. Um, I'm John Wilson. Um, Alicia told me to say my name. First of all, I mean, just thank you both for doing this. I mean, having a conversation between two gifted art writers, arts writers, is really, really wonderful. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm, 
I'm just so interested in the difference between movie criticism and book review criticism. And I wonder if you can say, either or both of you can say something about that difference, what it takes. A different, it's a whole different experience. So can you say something about that? Tony can. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, 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 it is, and, and in some ways, some of the, the, the most interesting differences are, in a sense, the most, the, the most obvious or the most kind of um, straightforward, which is um, a, 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 one of the things that I found when, when, um, when I was reviewing books is that if you want to characterize what a book is like, you can quote from it, right? If you want sort of to give a sense of the writer's style, um, either, you know, why it's admirable or why it's, why it's bad, you can, you can um, quote it. And movies require, I mean, it is now, there, there are formats. It still hasn't been, I think, quite perfected. Um, Siskel and Ebert did try it on, on TV that you could sort of embed the, the, the video um, within the review. Um, and every time that it's been tried, I think it hasn't worked out quite as well as people had thought. But also, in a way, when you're writing about books, um, you're writing about a process that is familiar to you, because you're a writer and the person whose book you're reviewing is also a writer. So even if you don't really know how they did it, you have an idea about what it is, you know, and, 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 and what it demands, and you, you, can, you can imagine um, what, what is involved in it. A movie is such a complicated um, undertaking and you know whether or not you've spent a lot of time on a movie set you, you, don't, you don't know um, and, and a lot of times you don't even know if you're struck by a particular moment in a movie, a particular scene you don't know for sure whose work you're even talking about. I mean there's, there's a lot of shorthand and a lot of assumptions about what the what the director does, about what the actor does, but it's, it's such a synthetic and collaborative art that you can be, you know, moved to tears by a scene um, because of the way that it was lighted, because of the way that um, the cinematographer angled it, because, um, you know, of, of, uh, of the music that, that's coming up. And, and you may not be able to identify those things while you're having the experience. So in some ways, um, you have to be more imaginative and 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 more um, and more humble and and also in a way um, more kind of uh, full of it um, as a movie critic because you you because you don't know, you know you you or at least my feeling has always been like well you don't really know um, but also there there's there's for me the wonderful challenge of writing about a movie is trying to describe it in, in a different medium, to try to say, and this goes back to the question about experience, it's like to try to tell my reader, well, what is this going to be? When, when, when you go to see this movie, what, what, what will you see? What will this, what will this be like? Um, and, and, and to do it in a way that has some, some accuracy that isn't just sort of like full of critic words, you know, um, mesmerizing, a taut thriller, a roller coaster ride, you know, all of these things um, that you want to avoid. Thanks for the question, John. 
Hi, my name is Elaine Shute, and I've enjoyed your writing so much over the years. It's really golden to find a film critic with whom you agree to help you filter through things, what's worth watching and what isn't. And I wondered how not being a critic, a film critic, uh, has affected your own film viewing. Do you still watch many movies? Do you read critics, uh, certain critics, to find out what's worth watching? What, how is, has that affected Well, I haven't, I mean, one, one thing that I, that I did do um, after leaving the job was I did just kind of go cold turkey for a while. And I didn't, you know, um, I didn't, because just partly sort of to break, break the cycle, because every, I, I stopped reviewing in March, and then it would always be, I was just in this sort of year pattern of like, oh, then it would be the Cannes Film Festival, then it would be the summer movies, and then it would be, you know, time for the Oscar movies, and I was just always, um, that was a, a, a large part of, of what my brain was doing in any, in any given year, and I decided I needed to sort of break that. So, um, so I, I, I came up to Deer Isle, actually, um, at far from any first run um, movie house. Um, <laughs> And uh, uh, and just like read a lot of books, um, played some cards uh, with with some people who are here in the audience. Um, you know, learned to play the mandolin. Um, did a lot of things that were not going to the to the movies. And I and I've just only started to kind of to tiptoe back toward them and to and 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 to think about you know sort of firing up the streaming accounts again and. Um, uh, and 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 getting back to it, but it but it did sort of take uh, a, a a a more radical break maybe than I than I than I realized. But then you know, then I went to the Stonington Opera House and saw Barbie, and that was like <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and I and nobody you know I didn't have to say anything to anyone about it, <laughs> which was the best. That was A.O. Scott in conversation with Alicia Anstead, recorded by Matt Murphy on October 21st at the annual Word Literary Arts Festival in Blue Hill. WERU is a media partner with the annual festival. More information is available at wordfestival.org. Before we wrap up, I wanted to let you all know that Main Currents is changing from our regular time slot here on the first Tuesday of every month, where we've been for several years now, to being more of a pop-up show. We'll be airing whichever days and weeks make sense, depending on what's happening in our community. So I'm going to get better at making promos and putting announcements up on social media so you'll know where to find us and what we'll be talking about. And as always, if you have something that you'd like one of our public affairs shows to cover, you can email that to me at news at weru.org. Also, sending announcements to the station by email about your events does not get them added to the community calendar. So to make sure that they are on the community calendar and you can hear them being read on the air off and on during the week, go to weru.org, click on community calendar and add the details of your event there. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views and culture. I'm Amy Brown and this is WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, streaming online and archives at weru.org.